lawns and hoops, Lamont swoops, back alley cats, the back door cuts with alley oops, posting up, you on block on mic and both and kick it out to one who likes to shoot, oh yeah, said we merging them, got 50 with a surgeon and some throwbacks like Snoop Dogg with Magic Irvin's and some more in like Master P and Dr. Irvin playing on how about maybe a little Wayne speaking on bird back then, balls and hoops y'all, we hitting up all courts, but now with the sports talk, next we talk all sports, back to it. Got Jada and Jamal Croft, haters get crossed out, crossed up across all actual facts. Points of view that you never seen from your favorite artists, like talking about Jeffrey Green or Gerald Wallace. Whoever's on your favorite team, L. I mean, on the verse, it's still be great on the name for being H. Drake's opinion on spates, one synopsis of Blake, tip on Horford's fate. The fact we giving them straight, the truth they shitting on tape. Who sports snakes for a take, so true, or you can debate on who you really done rate. Come through it, really be great. The true, the fact, like a state. AAM on Prime 8, please remember. Bars and hoops, the center of the hood. Make it part of your agenda. What up, what up, what up, y'all? Bars and Hoops steals the great episode 68. Man, I know y'all are saying it's been a long time since you heard from us. You know, what has Bars and Hoops been up to? You know, we've been doing a lot lately, man. This past summer, we had our first annual youth basketball league for kids between the ages of 8 and 13. It was a great success. It took up a lot of our time. A lot of effort went into making sure that these kids enjoyed themselves during the summer. You know, we also wanted to revamp the platform, you know what I mean, bring a little difference to the game, you know, change up some of the things that we were doing, trying to make the listeners' pleasure a lot better, have more of a presence on social media. And now, you know, just to let the cat out of the bag, we're going to end up moving over to the internet radio side of things, but we'll still have the podcast live and kicking. You know what I mean? So that's some things that you can look forward to with our platform. You know what I mean? I know we haven't given you a... Uh, NBA preview or NFL preview, you know, but again, a lot of things have been going on, but you know, we're back at it, man, and you know, I wanted to come back today to, with this special episode because um, there's a lot going on specifically in the NBA. You know, you got a lot of trades, uh, Jimmy Butler moving on, you got KD, Draymond, and Trouble Brewing in Golden State, but what I really wanted to talk to you guys about today is one of the big things that's going on in the league, one of the big headlines that you know, it's important to me and to other basketball fans across the country is, you know, what's going on in Houston in the Carmelo Anthony situation. It's a sad situation. You know what I mean? I, I personally like Carmelo Anthony, even though his game has diminished. He's still a, a potent scorer. He can still play in this game. But with the way that things look in Houston, it seems like they're trying to make him a scapegoat and, you know, blame everything on him. So, before I start this, man, I, I want to play a little clip from my man Steven Jackson, Stack Jack, man. And he's going to shed some light on what he feels is going on with this whole Carmelo Anthony situation in Houston. Check it. Yep, I'm always the first to say the realest shit, and I'm always the first to say facts in all these other shows. Take it and make it seem like they heard it first on the shows and all this, which is bullshit, but I'm used to it. But let me say this. Me, AI, and a couple other players. They trying to blackball Melo. Why the season just starting? Why they coming up and saying, your time with the team is almost up and the season's just starting? You see what I'm saying? They trying to blackball Melo and put him, push him out the league and make sure it looks like he can't play no more or make sure it looks like every team he goes to, he's a problem or he's a cancer on the team in the locker room. 
Now, I'm just going to stop it right there. That's a fact. You know what I mean? You heard what he said first. Him, AI, and a couple other people, man, have basically been blackballed from the NBA because of their stance, because of the way that they approach things, and everything like that, man. And it's sad because, you know, like he's saying, they're trying to make Melo the scapegoat in this whole situation, and they're really trying to push him out the league and, and have the narrative of he's a losing player. But let me continue on. So far from being true, I can name 50 people Melo better than right now in the NBA. I can name 50 people he's a better teammate than. So don't believe this narrative that they, they're trying to put out there that Melo is just a cancer and he can't play and he just make every team bad. That's BS. I'm telling y'all because I know it from experience. Remember I told y'all that they're trying to blackball Melo and that shit ain't cool at all. So people like, nah, Jack, Melo washed up, Melo done. Bro, if you know anything about basketball, and if you look at all these players in the league right now, you can't tell me Melo ain't better than 50 players in the league. You can't. That's a fact. Carmelo Anthony is definitely better than at least 50 players in the NBA right now. You can't say that he isn't. There's no reason why guys like Jared Dudley is still playing in the league right now. He looks like a Pillsbury Doughboy. No disrespect to him, but he's not better than Carmelo Anthony. He has a, a spot on the roster in the NBA. Then you could go over to Vince Carter. Vince Carter is my age. You know what I mean? 41, 42. He's playing in, in Atlanta with a bunch of young kids. You know what I mean? Nobody's complaining about Vince Carter. You know, and another thing they try to throw out there is, oh, Melo's defense. Like, come on, man. This man has been in the league for over 15 years, man. Why, why are you complaining about defense now with this guy? Like, come on, man. There's a lot of people in this league that doesn't play defense. James Harden doesn't play defense. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's probably one of the worst defensive players in the league. But people give him a pass because he's an offensive threat and he makes the game look good by the way he plays in D'Antoni's system. It's, it's D'Antoni's system is is predicated on a primary ball handler. That's why I'm surprised that it's kind of working with Chris Paul there. But as we all know, it worked very well when Steve Nash was running it. And when James Harden ran it his first year there. You know what I mean? It's no secret that D'Antoni likes certain types of players and his style of basketball is spread the floor, penetrate to the lane, kick it out to shooters. That's not Melo's game. Melo's a mid-range threat. Melo scores from mid-range efficiently. You know what I mean? It's only that his last couple of years in New York, especially after he played in D'Antoni's system, is to where he started expanding his game to the three-point line. You know what I mean? All those years in Denver, Melo was a mid-range threat that would abuse you in the post and get to the basket at will and score. You know what I mean? It, it, his game started changing when he came to New York, played in D'Antoni's system, and they changed his whole style of play around. So, again, the style of play in Houston, it doesn't fit Melo's game, especially at the point of his career that he's at right now. Yes, he has lost a step. I'm not saying that Carmelo is the end-all, be-all, this great basketball player. He has lost a step or two. You know what I mean? He is... In his late 30s, you know what I mean? Basketball age, that's very old. But again, Vince Carter's still playing in the league. And you can't tell me that Carmelo isn't better than Vince Carter, isn't better than, you know, um, Jared Dudley, and he isn't better than about 30 to 40% of the players that are sitting on a bench in the league. You can't tell me that. But again, let's go back to Stag Jack as he gives us some more insight on this whole situation from a professional standpoint. Tell me Melo ain't better than 100 players in the league. Look at the players in the league before you reply. 
and don't make your opinion on your emotions, okay? I'm not employed by none of these players. I'm not employed by none of these teams. I'm speaking facts on what I know from experience. Don't make your opinion on if you're a fan of this player or, you're, if, you, or if you hate this player. I ain't got no skin in the game. But what I will say is what I do know. And Melo is better than still, still better than a lot of players in this game. I don't want to hear he don't talk, he don't play no D. Who play D in the NBA now? This is about 10 people. So don't use the he, he can't play D, okay? I don't want to hear that. It's a lot of people that don't play no D in the NBA if you know the game. Facts, they blackballing this man. I know y'all don't want to hear the truth. You can get it from me, though. And, and I'm, I'm, I got to continue to harp on this because people that watch basketball and just watch and don't know the game, y'all won't think of stuff like this. Everybody talk about how Houston is a, deep, a bad defensive team. Melo don't play D. They traded away one of their best defenders. And everybody that know basketball knew that they was going to struggle at the beginning of the season without Trevor Ariza, okay? Everybody knew that. I said it before anybody said it. They're going to struggle without Trevor Ariza. He's their best defender, and he can knock down a shot. P.J. Tucker's a great defender, but they, they, need to, they need each other to play great defense on great players, okay? The coach is not a defensive coach. He's never been a great defensive coach. So if y'all blaming Melo and the team for the defense, blame the coach. He's an offensive coach. What has he won? He's never been a great defensive coach. I hope y'all don't think he's, he's just because just you're a good coach that means you're a good coach on, de- on offense and defense. No. D'Antoni's is known for his offensive mind. His, his offensive mind is pretty cool. But his defensive mind, no. Coaching, people person, no. Just facts. That's a fact. So yeah, that, that sums it up pretty much and what's going on. Mike D'Antoni has never been a defensive coach. It's no secret that him and Melo has never really gotten along while he was in New York. And it's no secret that he didn't want Carmelo in Houston in the first place. You know what I mean? When all the rumors were swirling around where Carmelo was going to go and Houston was a possible destination, D'Antoni gave a lukewarm endorsement. He didn't want Carmelo Anthony from the gate. Daryl Morey wanted Carmelo Anthony from the gate. The Houston Rockets organization felt that if Carmelo's playing around his friend Chris Paul, Chris Paul can get the best out of Carmelo. But if the coach that's running the team doesn't really want the player there, what do you think is going to happen? And I'm not going to take any blame off of Carmelo because Carmelo put himself in this situation too. You know, when he was in OK City, the first thing he said during the press conference, I ain't coming off the bench. You know what I mean? So you already put a target on yourself. You know what I mean? You already made yourself look like you're still a selfish player. You still think that you're in the prime of your career when you were dominating the league at one particular point in time. So that kind of put the chips against him. You know what I mean? So that always stuck with him. So what was the first question that was going to be asked when he came to Houston? What do you think your role is going to be? They already put the cheese out there. They already stuck the bait out there hoping that you would bite. Hoping that you say, oh, I ain't coming off no bench. But you accepted your bench role. Okay, now the team gets off to a rocky start. You're not scoring efficiently. You're having 10-point games, 8-point games. And then it came down to your season low. A two-point game, you've never had a two-point game in your career. You know what I mean? You might as well score nothing. You know what I mean? Because to you, that's like scoring zero. So obviously, your pride was probably hurt. Who knows what was said behind closed doors. Next thing you know, Melo's a DNP. One game. Two games. Okay, now they're going to Denver. Oh, he's not traveling with the team. So now it looks like the whole Houston debacle is all on Melo. Melo's uncoachable. Melo can't get along with teammates that are better than him. He doesn't like Dan Tony. He can't adapt to a system. He's a selfish ball player. Now all of these narratives that has been 
put on him for many years is starting to come back out now. But I agree with Steven Jackson, man. I think that this is all a plot to make Carmelo a bad, a bad person. They want to blackball him out of the league for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Because we all know that Carmelo is very active outside of the league. You know, he's one of the few players like LeBron James that stand up whenever there's some type of social injustice going on outside of sports. You know, he's one of the first people to always stand up and speak along with Chris Paul. But unfortunately, you know, when your talent doesn't match, you know, your off-court shenanigans, you know, these are the things that end up happening to you. And it's sad that it's happening to Carmelo Anthony because he's still a decent basketball player and he can still help a team somewhere in this league. So speaking of that, where are some destinations you think Carmelo can go and um, flourish and, and do what he does? I mean, one team that comes to mind, I mean, everybody I hate it is, of course, the Golden State Warriors. He can go there. He doesn't have to play a minute or nothing. He can just sit on the bench, clap real hard, get a championship ring and leave. But knowing Melo, that's not his makeup. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure that that's a, a, probably a, a, a um, thought that's in his mind. You know, the gold of the Warriors. Okay, why not? I'm going to rub it in everybody's face. But I don't think that he'll do that. So I don't think the Warriors is a realistic landing spot for him. I think that if he was to go somewhere in the East, i.e. Philadelphia, still playing a bench role because they just got Jimmy Butler. If he goes to Philadelphia, he can come off the bench and he can pretty much play his style of basketball. Now, Brent Brown, he isn't the greatest coach of them all. He's definitely getting a pass in Philly because we've been trying to trust the process for the longest. And things haven't fared well in Philadelphia under his watch. He's actually underachieving. And like my man Stephen A. said, if this was a black coach, he'd have been gone a long time ago. You know what I mean? But that's nothing here nor there. But I'm not going to stray away from the topic. I think Melo would probably fit well in, in Philadelphia. Would he want to go to Philadelphia? Probably so, because I feel like he wants to get closer to his wife, Lala, because if you're paying attention to Instagram and power and all that, man, Lala's a smoke show. You know what I mean? She's a smoke show, and I know that, you know, Melo is definitely paying attention to everything off the court, especially with her and his son and, you know, just their family in general, man. And, you know, when Melo was in New York, man, he did a lot, man. He did a lot for his son's basketball team in the offseason. His son is getting older, and he's going to take a picture out of LeBron James' book. You know, he wants to be around his family, and I don't blame him. But long story short, I think that Philly's a good landing spot for him. I also think that a place like Toronto may be a good landing spot for him, off the bench, of course, because we're not talking about starter mellow. We're talking about places that if he really wants to win a championship, he'll sacrifice and do the right thing for a good team that can fit his skill set. Now, if he just wants to go and ball out and play and potentially start, then you got the Orlandos, you got the Miamis, you got Atlanta, <laughs> you know, but that's not Melo's makeup. You know what I mean? He doesn't, I don't think that he's at that point of his career. Another team where he might fit, the San Antonio Spurs. I think that Popovich would probably get the best out of Melo's game. I mean, Melo was part of those Olympic teams that Coach Pop was um dealing with there's a familiarity there and I think that it would probably work if he was to go to San Antonio DeMar DeRozan's there you know what I mean LaMarcus Aldridge is there Melo may fit right in you know he may he may be able to fit in San Antonio and start Rudy Gay is there and 
he rejuvenated his career there in San Antonio. So there are places that Melo can go to, and I think he can contribute on some level. People want to point out the defensive end, but I think that that's overblown. You know what I mean? At this point of his career, people play him at the four, stretch four. Um, he can still play some of the three offensively. I don't know about guarding these threes in today's game, but from what people are saying, man, based on the tape, when they break down the tape, teams target Melo on defense. So that's a problem. But if you play him at the stretch four in today's game, he'll prosper. I don't think at this point in time of his game, you can confine him to a motion system. And I know people say, like, this is basketball. You're supposed to play that style of play in order to survive. But this man's game has been predicated on creating his own shot and isolation. You know what I mean? You, like the old saying goes, you can't change a player's game in the ninth inning. So I don't know why people are trying to change his game at this point in time of his career. It's not going to happen. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Leave it alone. Find the best fit for him and let him be. I also think that Melo would go somewhere and he'll probably have a good impact in a place like Detroit. You know, they have Blake Griffin. They have Andre Drummond. You know what I mean? They could use Melo at the three in Detroit, and I think that he'll prosper there. I actually think that'll be a good fit for him. And it's in the Eastern Conference where, you know, it'll kind of even things out because the Eastern Conference has four good teams right now. You got Toronto, you got Philadelphia, you got Boston, and you got Milwaukee. Those teams right now are the cream of the crop in, in um, the East Eastern Conference. And I think if Carmelo comes to Detroit, he has a different dimension to that team to where they'll be interesting to watch during the playoffs because, you know, like I said, one through four, those are the elite teams from four to eight. <laughs> it's a coin flip. Most people think he'll fit in Miami. I don't think that it'll work in Miami. If you look at his fellow counterpart, Dwayne Wade, his banana boat buddy, that'll probably be a good fit friend-wise. You know, that'll be Lala going down to Miami, hanging out with Gabrielle Union. You know what I mean? Him and Dwayne Wade having a, having a good time off the court. But on the court, doesn't happen. You know, Dwayne Wade is barely playing. This is his last year. He's, they made it clear that they're going to move on from Wade after this year. So I don't think that Pat Riley would bring Carmelo Anthony in at this point in time of his career. I don't think that that'll work. But basketball-wise, the best places for Carmelo Anthony, as I said before, to me, is the San Antonio Spurs. You know what I mean? San Antonio Spurs on the Western Conference and on the Eastern Conference, it'll be the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> I know what I say may be unpopular, but I would love the Carmelo to come back to the Knicks. You know what I mean? And then I know Knicks fans can be like, man, you crazy. We don't want him back. Oh, he's selfish, this, that, and the third. You're crazy. But I would bring Carmelo Anthony back to New York just to retire his jersey. Even though people may say, what has he done? This, that, and the third. Melo was our best player since Patrick Ewing. You know what I mean? He came here when nobody else wanted to come here. You know what I mean? He came here during the prime of his career. Basically wasted the prime of his career. People want to blame all of the Knicks' problems on Carmelo Anthony. And shout out to my people over there on the internet at Knicks Nation. You know, Todd Mungin, Kenneth Reese. You know, we always go back and forth about the Knicks and the problems and where it stems from. You know, they hate Melo's guts. I always defend Melo. But the fact of the matter is Carmelo Anthony forced his way to New York. 
the Knicks didn't have to take Carmelo Anthony on. They could have let him go to Brooklyn if that was the case. But James Dolan wanted him. James Dolan got Carmelo Anthony here in New York. He made it happen. And the Knicks went to the playoffs. First two, three seasons that Melo was here. Now what happened was the other $100 million investment that the Knicks invested in, Amari Stoudemire, failed the Knicks. Failed Carmelo. Quite frankly, he was jealous of the presence of Carmelo Anthony. Then you add on bringing in a guy like Phil Jackson to build a team in the form of a 1990s Chicago Bulls roster, you know, trying to recreate the triangle like he's in L.A. with Kobe and Shaq or he's in Chicago with Mike and Scotty. That didn't work well. On top of that, you bring in a couple of lame duck coaches. First, you hire Derek Fisher, fresh off of retirement. Ask him to coach the triangle, and it didn't work. But once he started deviating from the triangle and started doing things differently and the team started showing a little bit of flashes, you got rid of him. Then you bring in Jeff Hornacek, who nobody respected because at the end of the day, this is a man that came in and was forced a playbook with the triangle on it and was forced to try to teach it when he didn't even play to really understand it fully. You know what I mean? But again, everybody wants to blame Carmelo Anthony. He was selfish. He was all about his money. What player in the league isn't about their money? That's what these players play for now. Look at the NFL. What are these guys fighting for now? Guaranteed money. Players play the game for money. They have families that they have to feed. If you think that they're playing just for the love of the sport, I got another thing coming to you. Doesn't happen nowadays. A lot of money is being generated off of these sports. You see all these sports shows. You see all these endorsements and commercials and everything that's capitalizing off of these players. Players play for money at the end of the day. So people can can fault Carmelo Anthony for always taking the money over anything else or, you know, business over anything else. But at the end of the day, whenever he stepped on the court here in New York, he gave the city his all during his prime years. His skills started diminishing towards the tail end of his career here in New York. And that's understandable. But he gave the team some prime years. And, you know, I just felt the need to shed some light on this situation because I don't like the narrative and a lot of people around the league don't like the narrative of Carmelo Anthony is this negative person and you can't win anywhere and you can't win with him because this is what the media is trying to portray and this is what the NBA is doing to this man right now. You know, it's a personal assassination of his character and, and of his integrity as a man at the end of the day. So... He's been quiet on the social media tip. I know that this has, this has to be eating him up inside because he knows that he's better than this. You know what I mean? I believe that he's better than this. I'm not saying he's the elite Carmelo Anthony. He's not the Denver Nuggets Carmelo Anthony, but he's definitely not the end-all, be-all and the problem in Houston that everybody's trying to portray it as. So now everybody's going to pay close attention to what's going on in Houston because it's quite obvious that, you know, they wanted to basically use Melo as the scapegoat. The way that they're going about it sucks, and I hope that they don't go anywhere after this because it wasn't right after eight games in the season. You want to say, oh, you know, things may have to change. This may be his last game in, in Houston. Like, come on, that sucks. That sounds like he was set up from the gate. He was a dead man walking from the start. You know what I mean? Nobody respects that. 
players pay attention to that stuff, believe it or not. But that's neither here nor there. Moving along. You know, a lot of moves have been happening. Like I said, the, the East is getting very interesting. We already see the effect that Kawhi Leonard has had on the Toronto Raptors. It's been a positive effect. You know, the Raptors are both to the best start in the history of the Raptors. And that's saying a lot. You know, I felt the I felt like DeMar DeRozan was done dirty. You know what I mean? Kyle Lowry felt that he was done dirty. But in comes Kawhi, who, you know, at first didn't seem like he really cared to be in Toronto. He just was going through the motions. And once the season is over, he's going to leave. But he's clearly had a huge effect on that team. And he said that he's only learned about 35, 40% of the offense. (laughs) You know what I mean? They have a new coach. It's not Dwayne Casey there anymore. So, you know, he's just learning a whole new system. You know what I mean? And, you know, Toronto's going to be a dangerous team come playoff time because Kawhi plays on both sides of the ball. You know what I mean? But that was just one of the major off-season moves that happened. So coming in, everybody knew what to expect from Toronto. What we have now is the Wolves basically gift-wrapping uh, Jimmy Butler and sending him to the Philadelphia 76ers, arguably one of the youngest, most exciting teams on the East Eastern Conference side of things outside of Boston. You got Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? You got Ben Simmons. Now you add Jimmy Butler to the mix. J.J. Redick is a deadly shooter. Now that Philly is is looking like they're they're putting something together nice. You know what I mean? But it remains to be seen. Can Jimmy Butler, you know, play third string, third fiddle, third will? Because obviously Philly has their two franchise cornerstones with Embiid and now Simmons, who does control the ball a lot. So Jimmy's going to have to come in and basically get in where he fits in. You know what I mean? The question is, can he do that? Now, if he can do that, Philadelphia is going to be a dangerous team. You know what I mean? Because Jimmy plays defense as well. Grabs rebounds. And he's a closer. So this is going to be very interesting to see what happens and what transpires the rest of the way of the season with Philly. You know, they're definitely going to be a shoo-in to make the playoffs. Now, when they get in the playoffs, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? You still got Charlotte. Charlotte is a quiet team. I mean, they're getting their asses handed to them tonight by Cleveland. But, you know, Charlotte is going to be a team to watch out for as well. You know what I mean? Let alone the Celtics are still there. You know what I mean? Kyrie. I mean, he's starting to come back to form. You know, he lost his grandfather the other day. You know, rest in peace to Kyrie Irving's grandfather. You know what I mean? Gordon Hayward is starting to come back to form. You know, Brad Stevens is a great coach. Jason Tatum is a problem. He's looking like a young mellow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the Celtics are going to always be there as well. But the most interesting thing that's going to happen during the rest of the season and possibly in the offseason is what's going to happen with this whole Kevin Durant situation. <clears throat> For those who don't know, last night, and it's a big story right now, so everybody pretty much does know, but Draymond, as we all know, Draymond isn't one that holds his tongue, and he gets on everybody, so I guess KD is no, there's no exception to him, you know what I mean? Because obviously, last night, Draymond did some goofy gang, goofy stuff in the game, trying to play hero ball at the end of regulation instead of giving the ball to their closer, Kevin Durant. And he ended up turning the ball over. So they had words with each other. 
Obviously, the words from the bench spilled over to the locker room to the point where now they said that Draymond basically mentioned something about KD's um, free agency situation, his pending free agency. So, you know, there was a lot of smoke (laughs) coming into the season that KD was basically planning on leaving. This is a clear indication now that not only is he planning on leaving, is that he may end up leaving. And 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 the big rumor was he was going to end up coming to the Big Apple. You know what I mean? And me as a Knicks fan, I'm trying not to really get too caught up with it because I done heard, I lived through the whole LeBron, I lived through the whole era of all of the superstars using New York as leverage to get other teams to pay them or whatever the case may be. But this one here seems like it can possibly happen. You know what I mean? The whole billboard situation, that billboard was terrible. It was throttling. You know what I'm saying? It was a terrible idea. It looked, it looked like a, a fifth, fifth grader uh, drew that picture and, you know, they blew it up and put it on the side of a building. It wasn't appealing, but the fact that, you know, KD has roots here, he's tied in, his agent is a big, big wig here, big Nick fan. You know what I mean? A lot of other aspects that people don't look at is his connection with a lot of the artists out here, namely Davies. He used to play AAU ball with him. He recorded with him back then. So I think KD is going to end up taking a page out of LeBron James' book and take on a challenge of actually trying to take a team and win a championship, you know, in a place that hasn't won a championship in decades. You know what I mean? An accomplishment, an accomplishment like that in New York would put KD in a whole different stratosphere. He already, he's going to surpass LeBron James as far as rings are concerned. You know what I mean? He's going to get a third ring with Golden State. I don't think nobody in the league is going to beat them. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I don't think that anybody's going to beat them, especially with the addition of Boogie Cousins there. But that remains to be seen as well because Boogie Cousins is coming off the same type of injury that Kristaps Porzingis is coming off of. So that's another wrinkle that KD may have to take into consideration too and the Knicks are paying a close eye to that situation with um, Kristaps Porzingis as well you know his his knee is a major concern he's 7 foot 3 they haven't seen a person of that size suffer that type of injury and come back full strength you know that remains to be seen and it's weird because it's in a contract year so it puts the Knicks in a tough position really tough position you know what I mean but if KD is paying attention he sees that the Knicks have a nice front office you know with the addition of Scott Perry shout out to Scott Perry he's done a great job with the signings of Alonzo Trier undrafted free agent and the second round pick that he found which is a diamond in the rough and Mitchell Robinson you know I'm not saying that these guys are all-star caliber players yet, but the Knicks have some young talent with the addition of, you know, their next couple of draft picks and the possibility of, you know, KP coming back healthy. The Knicks are attractive. You know what I mean? Coach Fizdale is a good coach. I like him. I wanted Mark Jackson, but, you know, Fizdale is starting to grow on me. But in short, I think that the Knicks are a very attractive destination to a guy like KD. And if a guy like KD decides to go there, the dominoes will start to fall. Because now, all of the rumblings before the KD situation was that Kyrie wanted to come here. He wanted to come here last year. You know what I mean? But 
Cleveland traded him to Boston. And we all know that, you know, the way that Danny Ainge does things in Boston, Kyrie isn't guaranteed to get that max contract. And I think that Kyrie strategically kind of put Boston on the uh, spot by saying that he's looking to stay here and, you know, why would he leave here? But at the end of the day, like I said earlier, players play for money. And we all know that Danny Ainge is one that gives out money like that because he would have kept Isaiah Thomas if that was the case. So Kyrie is going to definitely have to take a pay cut because Boston was going to have a lot of people they got to pay. You know what I mean? They're already having rumors about Terry Rozier possibly being traded. Danny Ainge shot that down. Jason Tatum is going to get max money when he's, when his rookie deal is up, you know, they got a lot of people that they got to pay at Boston, and I don't think they're going to give a lot of money to Kyrie. They're just going to look to replace him because that's how Danny Ainge rolls. You know what I mean? It's no it's no secret. But if somebody like Kevin Durant comes to the Knicks and Boston doesn't sign Kyrie, I think that the Knicks will make something happen to where they can end up getting both of these players. And if they can get... Kevin Durant and Kyrie combined with what they have, not even KP, but what they already starting to build and what they have in the culture and adding players that actually can play the game. The Knicks may have a shot in 2019 to add some players and make things interesting here in New York. I'm not saying championship right away, but they'll be on their way to attracting more and more players to play here in New York. So, all of that being said, man, you know, this whole episode was basically to vent about the whole Carmelo Anthony situation, but we also wanted to touch on what else was going on with the league, and um, it's going to be pretty interesting moving forward, man. It's going to be pretty interesting to see where Carmelo Anthony actually lands, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this whole Golden State situation plays out, because they're on TV doing a lot of damage control right now, and it doesn't look good. And it's going to eventually get to a point where they're going to approach KD and ask him, what are your plans? Are you planning on staying with us? If not, then let us know now because then we'll move you. And who knows where they'll move him. (laughs) They may just send him to New York to kind of spite him because the situation isn't great right now. But they could possibly be be doing the Knicks a favor. And from what I understand, Dolan and the Golden State Warriors are really close. So... Who knows? That's just me speculating as a fan. Don't pay me any mind. I don't want to lose any credibility behind it. But these are things that can happen. And I, for one, as a fan, hope that it does happen. But on that note, man, I'm going to wrap things up. You know what I mean? Like I said, Bars and Hoops, man, this is one of our first episodes of the new season. You know what I mean? Even though it is episode 68. This is one of the first episodes that we've done in a while, and, you know, I just kind of wanted to let people know what the status of our podcast is, where we're going, and what to look forward to in the near future, man. There's going to be a lot of good things happening, and I just want everybody to come and enjoy the ride. We're going to have access to phone lines. People can call in. You're going to see a lot of visual. We're going to have a lot of more artists. We're going to have a lot more entertainers. We're going to have a lot more entrepreneurs coming up and sharing their stories with us on our platform. So stay tuned. You know what I mean? If you want to check us out now, check out some past episodes. You can find us on iTunes, the podcast, at Bars and Hoops. That's B-A-R-S, the and sign, Hoops. 
That's again on iTunes Podcast. And if you want to find us on Cloud SoundCloud, that's B-A-R-S-A-N-D-H-O-O-P-S. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Bars and Hoops, the same way, B-A-R-S-A-N-D-H-O-O-P-S. If you want to hit us up about inquiries to get on the show, showcase your music, email us at barsandhoops at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-S-A-N-D-H-O-O-P-S at gmail.com. Or check us out on our website, barsandhoops.com. Once again, Stills the Great for Bars and Hoops, signing off. Peace.